I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Muto. And this is The Artist Business Plan. Your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. All right, what's going on, business artists? We are back with the Artist Business Plan after our hiatus. We have had art fairs all over the country, East Coast and West Coast, but we are now back up and running, and we're so happy to be here. And as you know, if you've been listening to us for a while, I'm Alex Mito. I'm the co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, with the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S. We're also one of the top resources for all things art artists and the business of marketing your art. Today, we've got Patrick Shanahan here with us on the mic. Patrick is going to share his thoughts on addressing common problems as a business artist and how to properly promote yourself. I am so excited to hear what he has to say. But first, I've got an offer here just for you, ABP listeners. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you sign up and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fair. Join the number one art fair for independent artists as we travel across the United States reaching thousands of qualified in-person art buyers at every single fair. And prepare yourself for success with a full suite of business resources like our very own podcast, which you're listening to right now. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant it was time for something new. For seven years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine fair, simply visit www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. And when you mention the artist business plan, you'll receive a $150 credit on your booth, no matter what size or city you choose. So that's $150 off. Just go online to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. All right, so we are back here with Patrick Shanahan. So Patrick is the Director of Marketing at Art Storefronts. He is a digital marketing expert with 15 years experience in how best to leverage both traditional and digital marketing to grow art and photography businesses. Combined with the sales and marketing analytics data from over 6,500 customers at Art Storefronts, he has unique insights into what is actually working to start, run, and grow profitable art business in today's landscape. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Patrick. Thanks, Alex. Fired up to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Um, so, Patrick, there's a question we ask all of our guests just to get to know you and help our listeners get to know you as well. And that question for you is, what is the earliest memory you have of art? Yeah, it's a great question. My um, my dad was a, sort of a collector. And, you know, I use the term loosely. It doesn't mean he was, at, you know, Christie's build, bidding $3 million on art or whatever. But the house was just completely stacked and full of it. I mean, everything from little sculptures to, to he was like heavily into Oriental art. And so there was like Japanese screens and Japanese landscape painters and Chinese art and like carved chess sculpture. So it was just, I grew up in it all throughout my house. So grew, grew, grew to, to kind of have an early appreciation, I'd say. 
I love that. And that's a nice uh, segue into a topic that we're really passionate about at Superfine, which is like, what is an art collector, right? And in my opinion, your dad was an awesome art collector because he instilled that that love and interest in art to you, whether or not he's at the Christie's evening auction or not really is to me, not the most to do with it. So I appreciate you sharing that. It's a lot about our kind of deeply held feelings at Superfine as well about what makes a collector. Um, so Patrick, I want to dive in to some of our questions here and you have an interesting perspective on galleries that I happen to share. And I think is really important for listeners to understand and consider what is that exactly? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, the, the way that I turn it around is like, you know, Alex, do you know anybody from high school that you knew loosely or otherwise, grade above, grade below, a few grades that, that made it as a professional athlete? No, but I don't talk to my high school friends anymore, to be honest, unless they're listening. So For no, sure. but I don't know anyone. For sure. So let's just sticking on the analogy. All the kids that you remember from high school represent all the artists in the world. The one that made it to the pros, NBA, you know, MLB, soccer, whatever, that represents the one artist that's that's making over hundred thousand dollars a year net from the gallery model. That is how low the 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 truly successful people that are in the gallery model is. There's a there's a book on Amazon that I cite all the time that I really like. It's called The Twelve Million Dollar Stuff Shark, and the book's like ten years old, so you have to adjust for inflation and all of that. But in the book, they surveyed 80,000 artists in New York and London. Out of the 80,000, 75 were superstar artists back then, a million dollars a year in, in gross sales. Next tier down, 300, which is the first one was 0.09% of the 80,000. The second one down is 0.38%, which is 300, which are like mature, successful six-figure year plus. Anything over $100,000 a year, all the way up to $999,000 a year. The third tier that had some representation plus some help, a day job, a supportive spouse or whatever, um, was about 5,000 out of the 80,000. So out of the 80,000, you're talking about 6.72, something like that percent um, that are actually making it in the gallery model. And you know that's one data point from one book, but it's something I've seen bear itself out time and time again in, in my career and all the artists and photographers that I talk to on a regular basis. And I'm not anti-gallery per se. I mean, I think one of the things that I say all the time is like, I've never met a revenue source for an art or photography business that I don't like. I'm just anti-gallery model if it is your only revenue source and that's what you're building your career on. You you, you can pursue a gallery strategy, but it's got to be in addition to selling directly uh, yourself. Otherwise, I feel like it's, you know, you're treating your art career like, you know, buying lottery tickets or placing bets in Vegas. The odds are just not good that you're going to succeed long term. I am so happy to hear you say that, something we've been talking about for pretty close to a decade uh, since we even planted the seeds for Superfine. We were doing kind of similar things to what I believe your company does. We'll talk a little more about it, but we were basically renting storefronts, putting on shows directly for artists. And I like that, you know, that idea of like, I don't, I've never met a revenue source for selling art that I don't like. You know, if it if it supplements what you're doing, well, why not? I mean, if you're an artist, designer, creator, why not? You know, if it makes sense, supplements your income, is on brand for you, aligned, it's not a bad thing. It's not like, hell no, it's a horrible thing. But to put all your eggs in that basket, you know, especially given statistics like what Patrick shared, and there, you know, there may be other statistics out there, but, you know, from experience, and if, if you are an artist out there working and listening, I believe that most likely resonates with you uh, that, you know, you have 7% of artists out of this huge pool that are participating in this, in this model, in this ecosystem, we're actually making 
what would outside of the art world be considered like a pretty good living. So that's something, I mean, I'm really, really glad to have you bring that to the front of this conversation because it is something that really was with us when we formed this company and when we started this podcast as well. So thank you. Oh, Patrick. So, yeah. It's so important. Um, and just, just, just as a final, like, you know, to tie it back to your collectors, right? Like I've been doing this long enough now, meaning an, an, a, a long enough period of years that, you know, I would, I would judge either the number one or number two, most important metric to an order photography business is the number of collectors they have on their list. And you could loosely define a collector as anyone that's bought more than one piece. Like, like let's just say two pieces. That is the retirement account. That is the 401k of an artist or a photographer. And when you are selling in the gallery model and you have no idea who is buying your work and you have zero ability to ever market to them again for the rest of your art selling career, I don't know how you make it long term. I just don't. It's, it, it's, it's just not a winning prospect. So, so guys, your collector list is your 401k. That's your retirement account. And a collector is anyone who has bought one or more works. And that's something also with Superfine, we're, you know, we tell our artists all the time is judge the results of a fair or an, you know, whatever your expedition is in selling art, whether it's, you know, renting a storefront, participating in a show, um, or doing one of our fairs by the number of collectors that you walk away with, even if it's not, you know, ending day, Sunday night, but within a couple of weeks of the end of the show or a month of the end of the show, how many new collectors do you have? It's not even necessarily how much they spent. It's just how many new collectors do you have that you can then market to who can come to your next show, who can buy a bigger work when they buy their second house or their third house. Like that's your real benefit. And if you're not getting that benefit, it's a real question. Like, why am I doing this? Right? Like completely I, agree. I, I love completely that. Agree. Um, so, okay. So throwing all our eggs in one basket with the gallery model isn't what we want to do. So what, what do we want to do? What, what, what is, what does a uh, art storefronts do? And what are some of the things that you would recommend for an artist to pick up on? Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward in today's day and age. And I, you know, at a macro, I believe that the, the art world moves very slowly relevant to other industries, right? And technology has completely upended and changed all of our lives significantly over the last call it like 20 or 25 years. I believe at this moment in time, more so than any other, um, you know, the art industry is going through its, its uh, blockbuster Netflix moment, its taxi cab Uber moment, where it's utterly, totally, and completely getting disrupted. There has absolutely never been a better time to be an artist right now um, because that old tenant farmer gallery relationship is, is being obliterated. You can absolutely, as a result of technology, as a result of social media, as a result of, of internet broadband and video cameras and everything else, build a significant art business selling direct, by which I mean you sell directly to your end consumers. Now, as rosy as a picture as I paint there, it's not easy. You still have to do a tremendous amount of marketing to do it. But if you do it and you have the perspective of how long you have to get this business model right, i.e. the rest of your art selling life, it is in very attractive perspective to artists. You need to be selling directly. You need to be understanding who your buyers are. You need to be capturing emails regularly and consistently. You need to be emailing those emails regular and consistently. You need to be actively marketing on the social media platforms, Instagram being number one, Facebook being number two, at least you know the, the landscape as, as we see it here in, in May in, in 2022. And you need to be running sales when the time is appropriate. If you do that, and you do that consistently, the business grows year after year after year. If you don't, I don't know how you make it successfully. And you know, to your guys' point about the, the fairs and the shows, fantastic, fantastic selling opportunities. 
if it's applicable to the artist, the photographer in question, i.e. you don't have any health issues, you can get to these shows, you can do them. I consider them a very important part of like a, a balanced, call it, call it marketing diet or business diet, if you like, um, for an artist or photographer, because you have such a great way to get instantaneous feedback. You have the ability to capture emails, especially if you understand the dynamics of how to best take advantage of an in-person show. Um, so I think you do that. And anything else on top of that is, is in addition to that, right? So, you know, local fairs and shows, fantastic. In addition to you selling direct via your own website, via doing marketing, you're in galleries that are paying fantastic. In addition to selling direct, you're one of the lucky ones that is somehow managing to make money off of one of the marketplaces. Take your pick, Fine Art America, Saatchi, Art.com, Etsy, eBay, whatever, Amazon, whatever one, that's got to be in addition to selling direct. You do that. And you do and you do your marketing consistently it's just a game of pressure over time and that's that's the path forward guys pressure over time sell direct to your clients gather emails we say that you know time and time again if you're an artist listening who's participated in one of our fairs you know that that's something you know in the webinars leading up to the fairs on this podcast in your exhibitor guides we're always saying gather emails send your emails follow up identify your collectors, segment your audience, get to know what they, who they are, what they're buying from you. And that's, you know, that's how you do it. So that's your groundwork. That's your baseline is selling direct to your audience. Anything else above that is different. It's, it's beyond that. So I, uh, I love that. Thank you so much. Um, so let's talk about going international. Uh, Artists often want to go international. They want to sell in Paris or London or in New York or LA if they're from the other side of the world. Um, how do how do you do that? And at what point do you move on to bigger and better? And is is it even bigger? And is it even better to be bigger and better? So, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of a loaded question, right? I suppose you have to define it. What does it mean going international, right? Like you know, from my perspective, and if you're operating under my premises, what you're selling direct and you're doing regular marketing on your social media, you're going international day one. You start marketing via social media, you have access to an international market day one. So you're ready to go day one, right? Everyone, everyone loves spending all kinds of time noodling on whether or not they're ready or what the strategy should be or my favorite, you know, I'm going to start selling internationally as soon as I figure out the shipping. And no one ever takes seriously the fact that you actually have to have someone outside of your country with a credit card in their hand ready to purchase the work. If you don't have that, you're not going international, right? So, you know, you could, you could say, when are you ready to go international? Like, you know, maybe when you have the galleries banging down your door, if you're going to go that model, right? But for everyone else, you're international day one. And you don't even have to worry about it or stress about it. Wait until you get that message, that DM on Instagram and says, hey, I'm interested in purchasing your work, but I live in X. And then wait until you get that sale. As soon as you do, you're international and it doesn't stop. You know, we have a myriad of customers that are selling internationally in a, in a, in a whole suite of different countries. And there's no, there's no layout plan or strategy aside from just marketing and selling. Ultimately, the work needs to sell. And the buyers, if they are attracted to you and you're doing a good job on your marketing, they'll show up. I love that. Because, I mean, it, it's true. Anytime you're selling online and you have an online presence that you are day one, de facto international. And then you can actually, and I'll kind of expand on that a little bit, you can use that data to actually plan where you should be maybe doing an in-person show or participating in a fair or something rather than kind of getting the romantic notion of like, Oh, I really need to be in this area. I think it's the best one for me. Once you're online and you can see where the sales are coming from, you then know, you know, maybe I should do a pop-up in Paris or maybe I should participate in an art fair in Tokyo or whatever it may be. Cause you know, at that point you've already got interest coming in from that area and you have confirmed collectors there as well. Um, sure. so I hope that's a good expansion on your point there. Um, 
So moving on uh, to topic of pricing, Patrick, this is something artists ask about all the time. Uh, it's a challenge for artists to figure out how to price their pieces. So there's a lot of factors when you decide on a price point. What are your recommendations regarding price? And you know how can an artist know the value of their work so that they price it correctly? Yeah, I love I love this question and I find it so fascinating. And there's there's multiple different facets, and I'm not going to answer the way that you think I'm going to answer. But I think at the very top, the only thing that matters is that the work sells. If it's not selling, worrying about pricing is irrelevant. Okay. One of the biggest issues that this industry has, specifically artists, is is the paralysis that gets introduced, the fear of the paralysis in terms of thinking about pricing. And it comes in a couple of different facets. It comes into not valuing themselves for whatever reason or being terrified to, to get into the business aspects of it and pricing themselves too low or hung up about negotiating on pieces, which, I mean, the rant I could go on on that one is insane. Hmm. Um, and, and acting like that is not something that's regular in a normal part of business and doesn't happen all the time. And, or, or spending months and months and months ruminating and studying and trying to figure out pricing instead of doing the marketing. And that's what happens on a regular basis. I mean, I have, I have some customers that are so damn terrified to raise their prices that I finally just have to call them and say, I'm doing it for you. I will log into your website and do it myself. You know, have a nice glass of white wine, wake up in the morning, you'll be fine, right? <laughs> the, the, the reality with pricing is we always want to ask ourselves in our businesses, is the decision I am about to make a reversible decision or not? I.e., can I change it right after I've made it and it's all good, Right. It is utterly, totally, and completely a reversible decision, okay? You could raise your prices 50% tomorrow, wait a couple of weeks, lower them right back down to where they were, and the odds are no one's going to call you on it, no one's even going to say a thing. It is a reversible decision. So stop having paralysis on it. Set the prices. If the work is selling incredibly, raise the prices. If the work is not selling, you can raise them or lower them. There's been success cases on both. But the point is you can change the prices in, at any time. The more important question in terms of pricing, in my estimation, is do you have price variance in your offerings? Okay. Way more important than the individual price on individual pieces. Very easy to solve for that. The price variance is where I say I see a great many artists and photographers going wrong. Anyone's followers, okay, anyone's fans, anyone's people that like your art are inevitably going to fall into a socioeconomic bell curve. This is just fact, okay? At the low end of the scale, you have people that are in the lowest economic bracket. And then you have lower middle class, middle class, upper middle, upper middle class, and high net worth individuals, a bell curve, if you can picture that. Everyone's followers fall into that. Your job as an artist is to have price points for each person on the bell curve, okay? When you understand that you're going to be having a direct business and you're going to understand who your collectors are and you're going to be marketing to these folks for the rest of your art selling life, you also understand that the socioeconomic bell curve is not a fixed entity, there are people that are on the low end of that scale that are living in their mother's basement right now. They're going to buy their first home in four years. And whether or not they buy your art is going to do with, did you have a product to sell them when they were when they were living in their mom's basement? And then two, have you been marketing regularly and do you have a product for them now? And so it's why I advocate artists understand that a healthy artistic business, a healthy photo business has merchandise. It has open editions, it has limited editions, and it has originals. Because when you have that type of product variance, it gives you the price point variance that's needed. You know you know when the realtors give us the pads with their faces on them, right? Yeah. And that shows up at the house, and, and the next thing you know, you're writing on it for the next two weeks, and your wife's passing you notes, whatever. That That is the power of merch right there, right? Now, that realtor, okay, or the husband and wife team, whoever it is, I now see their face 
for the entire length of that pad. They are top of mind. Now, I might not be ready to sell my house today, tomorrow, the next week, the next month, three years from now, but their name ID, their recognition is constantly coming. Merch offers that same ability. One of the biggest mistakes artists and photographers make is they think everyone that they're marketing to, everyone in their audience has their hand up right now at this moment in time today, ready to buy wall art. Nothing could be further from the truth. Not everybody's ready to buy wall art at all times. And you'll never know when they're ready to buy wall art. And so when you sell lowered price point items, and we should put, give this some teeth, you have to have items under $100, you have to have items from 100 to 1000 and you have to have items well over 1000 If I have customers that have a starting price point on their originals for 5000 to 7000 the advice goes to the other end of the bell curve as well, meaning you should have price points at fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000. Because the high net worth buyer does not going to get switched on by your, your $150 canvas print or your $800 limited edition or your $2,000 original. They want something with a high level of prestige, right? So understanding having price point variability in your stack, understanding that if you sell somebody a calendar now, you're not going to get rich. But guess what? That's essentially a Facebook ad that you staple inside their kitchen or inside their room <laughs> where you're top of mind for the next 12 months. Spend a lot of money on Facebook ads. I can't get, a, can't get one that's that effective because the minute that they close the app, I'm gone. So it's very important first to focus on the price points, okay? Under 100, between 100 and 1,000, well over 1,000. Then you can contemplate the items that, that, that are, that are going to handle that makeup for you. Again, I, reckon, I recommend some form of merchandise, and you know the merchandise is a really you know, dicey topic, hot-button topic with a lot of artists and photographers, and they need to get over it, okay? Name me a museum that you've been into that doesn't have a gift shop. I can't. Uh, no. I love museum gift shops, actually. No. no. <laughs> Name me like, you know, a, a, a top musical artist that you've gone to that doesn't have merch booths everywhere else, which we don't understand. It's just maths. This is a mathematical formula that's been figured out a long time ago that you need to have price points for people that are not into a massive buying commitment, for people that just don't have that much money to spend right now, for people that don't want to buy wall art right now. And then you need to have the price points step all the way up. When you do, you're giving yourself the greatest chance to see an ROI from whatever marketing activity it is that you're doing. So in question of price, start there. Start there. Patrick, I love this. And the artists listening out there, if I were going to recommend that you re push rewind and listen to another answer completely from beginning to end, at least one more time, it would be this one. Um, could not agree with you more. And, you know, the topic of merch is something that artists often talk about. And I want to kind of dial in on, on excessively priced wall art and that analogy that you mentioned about the, the Facebook ad in your living room. Mm -hmm. I always tell artists at the end of a, sh a show, a fair, uh, an exhibition, whatever it is you do, or or an, an online um, campaign that you're running, right? If you have 30 people who took home a print of yours, and maybe it was $50, maybe it was 80, maybe it was 125, it's it's kind of irrelevant, right? You have 50 people who took that home. It's on their wall now. They see it every day. They're not going to throw it in the garbage. It's a piece of art that they have. You you've gained so much through that, and and that person at this moment, they may have just graduated college. They might be living in an apartment. They may not be ready to buy and commit to an original canvas or a limited edition photo. But, well said. Well but said. You, what's up? Well said. Yeah, I think exactly. So then, but then now they have you and you are their top of mind artist that is in their home. And when they are ready to make that commitment, they're not out there searching Instagram, searching the internet, looking for another artist. You're their artist. And, and if you're smart, you have their email too. So then that person, when they, you know, they move past that phase of their life, they settle down, they get married, they buy a home, whatever it may be, 
then you're their top of mind artist. So judge by judge by how many people you can get into your folds, into your network and, and who've actually invested in you, not necessarily how much cash they outlaid the first time. Um, so I, I love that, Patrick. I think it's just absolutely on point for how artists should be visualizing this pricing question. Um, I also want to just underscore one other thing you said, because it does run contrary to a lot of art world advice that you hear, which is pricing changes are a reversible decision. I happen to agree with that as well. And, you know, you, I'm, I love you guys. I love all the artists listening out there, all the super fine artists, anyone listening to this program. But at the end of the day, each of us, myself included, we are a speck on people's radar. They have a million things that are going on. They have, you know, they're picking their kids up from school. They've got a mortgage. They've got, you know, celebrities they follow. There's a million things there's going on in the world. You raising your prices and then realizing you didn't get results and bringing them back down is probably not going to register for yeah. 99% of people. And maybe 99.9. Um, now, do you want to make that like something you're constantly doing, like always on this sliding scale all the time? No, but you'll learn from it as you do it because you'll see results. So I encourage you to you know listen to what Patrick's saying here and re- remove some of that stigma and dogma about uh, not being able to adapt your pricing because otherwise you're just running a, a bad business if you're not willing to adjust and, and see this as a reversible decision. Totally agree. So cool. You are on the same page. All right. So guys, uh, we are going to come right back. Uh, Patrick's going to tell you more about analyzing key indicators for artists, how to avoid common website problems and more. I'm sure it's going to be really exciting. Uh, But first we have a quick message from our sponsors. Artists, are you struggling with getting yourself out there and selling your work? Well, you came to the right place. For seven years, Superfine Art Fair has traveled across the United States and connected with all sorts of art professionals, from curators, gallerists, a community of successful artists, and everything in between. We've developed strategies to assist hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that they deserve. From New York City to San Francisco, Miami Beach to Seattle, your next art fair is right around the corner. You can apply to be a part of the fair when it comes to a city near you by visiting www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take $150 off your booth fee for any city and any fair you choose. Today's the day to start taking control of your art career. And we are back here with Patrick. So Patrick, let's continue talking about numbers and analytics. What are some of the numbers that artists should be following actively to help define their success as an artist? Total sales and the business growing year after year. And that's total sales, yeah, total sales, the business growing year after year. Yeah. And then, you know, there's, there's room for a little bit of variance in there, right? Maybe last year you sold a $50,000 original and you know, this year you're not going to have that sale. So is the business growing? So you sort of need to adjust, but if the business, if your total sales are not going up year over year and the business is not growing year over year, if you're doing regular marketing, of course, otherwise all the rest of the analytics are vanity, right? And that's like an important, you know, lesson and mantra that I have to constantly pound into my customers' heads is that's the only thing that matters. And, you know, one of the ways that I love sort of defining it, underscoring it, if you like, is if I picked you up, Alex, that's me knocking at your front door right now. I said, get in the car and I'm going to take you down to the ATM machine. Okay. That's, that's right around the corner from your house. And I asked you to show me the button on that ATM machine for likes, comments, and shares. 
Show me the button on that ATM machine that says you're getting a ton of engagement on your post. Show me the button on that ATM machine that says you got into a juried show. Show me the button on that ATM machine that everyone tells me my work is beautiful and I need to sell it. There's a reason that none of those buttons are on the ATM machine, Alex, because none of those things matter for an art business. And yeah, that's what everyone hangs their hat on. And it infuriates me. You know, one of the, one of the normal things that I get my customers doing is, and, and when I say it infuriates me, like I teach people to market for a living for the most part, right? So <laughs> I get hung up on these things. I, total, I understand they're totally normal, but stressing about your unsubscribes or stressing about losing or gaining follower counts it's all just vanity metrics and they're all nonsense. Ultimately, those are the only things that matter, right? And, you know, I say I've been doing this for a long time because it underscores a lot of my thinking. And when I say I've been doing it for a long time, I've had, you know, a good seven years of a ton of different artists and photographers from all over this country, other countries, different age groups, different subject materials, every niche imaginable, uh, come to think of it. And m my desire is the same for everyone else's desire, which is to say, like, there is a mathematical formula that I can pull out, right? That says number of pieces on their website times number of emails on their list times average price point times number of Instagram followers and da, 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 da. it's going to spit out a magical number that's going to say this is what that business will do. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's not the way that it works in, in, in the art world. There's too many variables in the equation that throw it here, there, and everywhere. So you, you never want to be in a situation where you're judging yourself against someone else. I've got people that have over a million followers on Instagram that are not selling as much as people that have 5,000 followers on Instagram. How do you rationalize that? How do you square that? Because it's all these other parts of the equation that come in, right? Like, you know, their subject material, their price point, high volume, low volume, crazy expensive originals. There's so many different ways to do it that in terms of analytics at a macro, the only thing that matters is this the business growing year after year you know, and are your total sales going up? If they're not, you're likely working on the wrong things or something needs to be fixed. So guys, look at your sales year over year. See if your art business is growing. And if it's not, that's when you dive in, analyze the details and see what you need to fix. I totally agree. And not measuring yourself against the likes, the engagement, the followers. Um, there was a stat and I, I might be paraphrasing this wrong, but it was a question how many emails on an email list do you need for a million dollar business? And it ends up being like a hundred or a thousand. It's like way less than you think. And in the, the idea is that, yes, there are like, you know, companies and artists with massive email lists, massive followings, but for whatever confluence of factors, that doesn't necessarily equate to dollars. So again, looking at your business and looking at what your business is doing as an artist in sales per year, and is it increasing? And then if it's not, looking deeper and seeing what you're doing and what to change um, is the way to go. If, if I paraphrase correctly there, Patrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did a great cool. job. I mean, look, assuming all things are equal, right? Like, yep. did you do the same amount of marketing that you did the year previous? Okay, why isn't the business growing? Then, you know, you're, you're, you, you, went, you, you very quickly realize like, okay, I'm working on the wrong things. What needs to change, right? Those are the most important metrics. And I think if you keep that at a high level and any of the rest of the stuff you look at, spend once a month looking at it. Don't look at it daily. Don't look at it weekly. Spend once a month. Spend once a month until you're selling $50,000 a year, and then you can start spending once a week. Then you can go to weekly tracking, not until. Right. So don't basically don't overwhelm yourself with the data and the details. Look at it once a month. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the forest through the trees, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, people, people get so hung up on it and spend so much time thinking about it and analyzing it, and none of it is moving the needle to where they actually want to go. Totally agree. So... 
Patrick, I want to move on to one final question here. Uh, so we're running out of time. What is one of the common problems or one of the most common problems artists run into that dissuade users or audiences from staying on their websites and what can they do to address those? Yeah, this is this is a total loaded question too, right? Because yeah. what, what does an artist care if people are staying on their site? They shouldn't. It's a nonsense mm-hmm. metric for the most part, right? Like they need to care that the work is selling, right? Like, kind of like what, we, what we've covered, that, yep. that, you know, that the business is growing. And I think, you know, notwithstanding the fact that one of the products that we offer is a website solution, right? And, and, and we believe it's the best solution online for selling art. But most artists and photographers don't have a website problem, right? They have a marketing problem. And so the, the, the folks that should be spending a ton of time worrying about the metric of time on site and people staying on their website are only really the ones that are like high volume sellers. Everyone else has about a hundred, hundred million or a hundred other things to be worried about primarily, like, are they marketing consistently? So it's, it's, I, I would say for the majority of your audience, it's not something they need to worry about or stress about in the slightest. So guys, again, follow what your main metric is, not these smaller metrics that may not apply to you, at least at this stage in your career. So Patrick, this has been an incredible conversation and I could talk about it, could talk about these topics all day long, but unfortunately I have to bring it to a close. So I want to bring it home for our listeners out there. Can you tell them a little bit more about how they might be get, able to get involved with art storefronts, take advantage of the services that you offer artists? Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you asking that. Um, you know, one of the one of the fun things that I do is I run um, a free webinar, and anyone can come. It's a Zoom session, and it's it's three times weekly: Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We call them art business webinars, but we give them like specific topics. And you can jump into a Zoom session, and I sort of present at a high level the business model that I think that you should be approaching, how to go about it, what's important, some technical stuff, how to approach social media marketing, and then we open it up for Q and A. So that's three days a week. They can find out about it. Um, you can just search our storefronts online, um, find our blog, find uh, find the website, and, and, and there'll be links all over the place. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. And to all of you business artists out there, Patrick has been here with us today sharing some really, really valuable perspective with you. I hope you all did take notes, but if you didn't, have no fear. You can go to our website, www.superfine.world. Listen to this podcast again. And to connect with Patrick and Art Storefronts, you should follow the Art Storefronts Instagram at art underscore underscore storefronts and visit www.artstorefronts.com. That'll be in the show notes as well. And as always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. Anytime you're listening to, benefiting from, enjoying the artist business plan, we love it if you could story us, tag us, put us post up, whatever. We will always restore you. Uh, We also would really appreciate if you could take a moment of your time and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's our main listening platform. And when you leave us those ratings and reviews, it helps other artist entrepreneurs like yourselves find and benefit from our and our guest's perspective on this show. And as always, I want to wrap up this episode by sharing a quick quote with you all. And today the quote is, the world always seems brighter when you've just made something that wasn't there before. And that is Neil Gaiman. Patrick, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. We're very grateful to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alex. You're welcome. Everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. And remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan. Hosted by me, Alex Mito. And me, James Milley. Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. 
To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click the Artist Business Plan. And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world slash sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan. 